When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? It's Wiley Willis from Chicago, Illinois, with my co-host. Nick Cox from Parkersburg, West Virginia. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Coffee to Hardcore episode four. Mick, we made it to episode four. I know it's a miracle that this is going on right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy that we got two just normal dudes. I, I Maybe not normal. Just two dudes who like coffee and like hardcore and we barely know enough about either subject and we're making this work and we made it to four episodes. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Uh, Don't you think? Yeah. It's totally amazing. Totally this amazing. episode is called, I have a cabin in the finger lakes. I want the job. I really do. It's just the rest of my family's in the finger lakes right now. I'm supposed to be in the finger lakes right now. And, <laughs> and we got to this name because on accident, actually, yes. we were talking to Jacob of Oak and Crow Coffee, and he said he was near the Finger Lakes. And for some reason, my brain confused Seinfeld. Hello? Hello! With the office. And I was thinking of the episode in Seinfeld where George says he has a cabin and drives Susan's parents to the Hamptons, not the Finger Lakes. <laughs> Let's get nuts! So I was wrong, and I get corrected later in the Open Crow interview, and they say it's from the office, the Finger, the Finger Lakes. It's the one, it's like towards the end where they're finding people to replace Michael Scott, and I think yeah. Jim Carrey says it like a hundred yes. times. <laughs> can, we put, can, we put that, can we put the clip of Jim Carrey saying it at least once right now? I want the jab. I really do. It's just the rest of my family's in the Finger Lakes right now. I'm supposed to be in the Finger Lakes right now. I told him I was on a hike, snuck away to do this interview. I got to get back pretty soon, don't worry. People disappear in the Finger Lakes. So anyways, we made episode four. This is the intro, and we talked to Jacob of Oak and Crow Coffee. We review Oak and Crow Coffee, which so far I think it's mine and Mick's favorite that we've reviewed so far, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. Yes? Yes. It's our favorite. Yeah! We're going to put links to all that, where to get it. Uh, we talked to Wynn of uh, formerly DDC Drink and Destroy crew, um, now in this amazing rad band called Strike First, and they are like rock and roll oi. He's in the Fat Skins, classic, you know, classic uh, oi band. Antagonizers, ATL, really good band. You should check out. We played with them. Uh, before Chicago Oi Fest, and 
uh, he's got some good things to say about the new record and we are going to review the record a little later on as well. Uh, but this is the intro and this is my co-host Mick. Say hello again, Mick. How's it going? (laughs) Going good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It has been last, last month was extremely busy and now we're in this next month. Cause when this comes out, it'll be November. So we're, we're in, we're in uh, Thanksgiving time. And uh, of course, anytime there's Thanksgiving, there's pumpkin pie. So my question for you is, are yeah. you, are you a pumpkin pie guy on Thanksgiving or are you an apple pie guy on Thanksgiving? Okay, I have a question for you. <laughs> you got to answer my question you, first. I, hold on. Right, what do right. you think I am? Oh, okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say pumpkin. I'm gonna say pumpkin. Yeah, I love the hell out of some pumpkin pie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, my wife, like forever, before we've always gotten pumpkin pie from somewhere else, like either you know, like from a grocery store, you know, one that you would pick mm-hmm. up close to where the deli and the bakery is in the grocery store. Always would get that for Thanksgiving. Um, and then I don't know how many years ago it was, maybe five years ago, Lindsay started making her own pumpkin pie. Mm, and let me, let me tell you something. It is better than any other pumpkin pie I have ever had. It is so good. And then of you course, send me one in the mail. I can try. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'll take a picture of how it gets to me. (laughs) Uh, And then, and then she, she makes homemade whipped cream and everything. It's unbelievable, dude. It is amazing at how good it is. Yeah. And I think if I had an extra seven hours, that'd come. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty intense. Uh, Thanksgiving around here is always a little intense for us because we go to we have two different like fam- we have my side of the family her side of the family we try to hit them both up on the same day so it's a whole yeah. lot of it's a whole lot of food and a lot of leftovers a lot of leftovers and then you know Lindsay makes a lot of it so I, it's like you know it's good stuff man good stuff Thanksgiving yeah, good. Thanksgiving and Christmas around here is not safe when it comes to the food because Lindsay is amazing she just makes all kinds of crazy stuff. So I'm glad to hear you're a pumpkin guy because it's kind of, to me, I am. it's kind of disrespectful to be an apple pie guy on Thanksgiving. I don't know. <laughs> you know what? I agree. And I'm a fall guy. Love the fall. My favorite yeah. time of year. I even, I even like winter. I'll take winter over summer and spring, to be honest. Oh, yes. I'm the same. I, I'm, I'm a youper, so I like the, uh, the cold. And luckily here in Chicago, it gets really cold, so I win. <laughs> I love it. I love the cold. So many people don't like, so many people think I'm crazy. Like it's getting cold. I'm like, I know I'm so excited. <laughs> like, Oh, I hate the cold. Well, so, now it's my time. Shut up. So I bet if, um, if you, if your body didn't crazy react to, uh, co- the flavoring and coffee, you would totally be a pumpkin spice person. That'd be your deal. Mm, I never got into <laughs> flavored coffees or flavored I do like pumpkin donuts. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like going to the. Oh, so Libby and I, last weekend, we went to um, Petting Zoo slash Pumpkin Farm. We got three pumpkins, and then we got this homemade ice cream from this place that she 
she goes to, don't ask me where we went. I'm terrible with that stuff. <laughs> Somewhere suburb, suburbs, of Illinois. And I'm just going along for the ride. And, uh, it was really good. They had vegan ice cream. So I got to eat ice cream and I didn't shit my pants. So that's good. <laughs> lactose. I, I always, I always joke. I'm, I'm a cheesehead who's lactose intolerant because I was born in Madison, Wisconsin. So <laughs> it was, it was oh, a good man. time. Awesome. And I love the fall. It was cool seeing the goats and the animals. It was just, it was relaxing, you know, a good getaway from the city. Nice. Nice. We live deep in the city. I'm in the city. <laughs> yeah. And it's like trying to cross the street sometimes is a feat. Like today, trying to just cross the street to go to work because I walk to work because I only live 15 minutes from my work is sometimes it takes like five minutes just to cross the street. It's insane. And no one will stop for you. But I digress. We're getting into something else. <laughs> but Coffee and Hardcore, episode four, coming at you. What's up, everybody? Coffee and Hardcore with Oak and Crow Coffee from New York. Long Island, New York? No, no. I'm, no. Uh, I'm up by Ithaca. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're up in the um, Finger Lakes well, region. I'm supposed to be in the Finger Lakes right now. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. We did, Mick and I tried the coffee. We did a review of it. And honestly, and this, this is for real, I'm not just uh, twinkling my fingers at you here. <laughs> it, it's the best coffee that I've reviewed so far. Oh. Well, thanks. Which, uh, what did I send you? The road crew, the end of the road? Point? Road crew. And I, I'm pretty sure the road crew, isn't that what we ended up picking for the up the pups two minute minor coffee? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, I remembered that and I remember correctly. So that's good. I got yeah. the into the void and it was really good too. Like my wife loves it. Um, loves it. I, I'm actually going to need you to send me a link how to order it, order more. Could do you sell it online? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a website, oakandcrow.com. Yeah. Okay, well, Mick, you know what your job is, right? Oh, yeah, totally. You're going to put a link to that website, right? So oh, I yeah. can go find it? Yes, so you can go find it. <laughs> That's cool. So, cool. Let's jump into it, eh? Um, Oak and Crow Coffee from New York. I already said that. So let's say, so when did, uh, when did Oak and Crow start and how did you get off the ground? Uh, so it started officially in 2017. Uh, I was the head roaster for another coffee company called Gimme Coffee in this area. I was with them for about 10 years. And you, I... You uh, Gimme? Yeah, G-I-M-M-E. They're another right. Ithaca-based coffee company. They had, uh, up until last year, also had two, uh, three stores down in the city. One in Manhattan, two in Brooklyn. But we're uh, there. We, they're based up here. And uh, there's a bunch of stores up here as well. Um, and I started as a barista there in 2008 and then worked my way into the roasting room and then left as their head roaster. But the thing was, I used to uh, play music a lot. And mm -hmm. uh, I still have a lot of friends in the industry. And, you know, with everything, all the downloading going on, people aren't selling as many, uh, you know, albums, CDs, cassettes, whatever. Right. So I Music's almost that, like an accessory now. It should be, that people think it should be free. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I was thinking, you know, how could I still stay involved in music while doing coffee? So I decided to start Open Crow as a side project to work with bands and give them something that they could sell that's like a custom uh, piece that, you know, you can't download a bag of coffee. So I figured if I contacted bands and did collaborations, it would give them something they could sell on the road that couldn't be downloaded. So I started working on that. But as you know, working with bands is like herding cats. So (laughs) it's very hard to get started. Uh, And while I was doing it, they were letting me... uh, Oh, oh, I know, by the way. (laughs) 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 The the folks that give me coffee were super nice and they would let me use their, you know, basically rent out time uh, on their machines since I didn't have one up and running uh, at my place. So... As it, as it started moving along, people, local people started asking me, hey, how come we don't carry your coffee in our store? And I said, you know, I explained to them the deal. And then uh, I, let, I started selling it at one or two places and it started getting traction. And the owner and CEO of Gimme and, a, you know, my boss and some other people brought me into a room and they said, hey, you got to make a choice. We'd like you to stay here, and, but you can't do both. And that was mm-hmm. fair. And we all knew what I was going to decide. And then, uh, you know, they gave me a couple months to get everything together. And, uh, yeah, then I hit the ground running. That's great. That's awesome. I actually, I actually have a question for you. I'm pretty sure I met you through my – probably one of my best friends here in Chicago. And he's actually my best man at my wedding, Mike Promoter. You know Mike, don't you? Oh, I know Mike. It's been many, yeah. many years. I don't think I, I've seen him since – Maybe Cornerstone 2000 or uh, 1997. It can't have been that long, but maybe. Yeah, so he was like, awesome. "You got to reach out. You got to reach out to my buddy." And I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so that's I did, awesome. and it worked out. Hey, Mike, if you're listening, what's up, man? What's up? Actually, Mike and I are going to do gang vocals on the new Decline record, uh, the 24th. So I'll tell him. I doubt he listens to this show. I'll tell him you said. Uh, <laughs> you said hey. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> He, he hears my voice way too much. He doesn't want to hear me any more than he has to. <laughs> but Mick, you got you got a, any questions at all? Yeah, I was going to ask. So uh, you said you started this kind of to link up with bands and kind of, you know, give them something else to maybe sell on the road or whatever. So what bands have you got to work with so far? Uh, let's see. Right now we're working with uh, Danny Diablo from Crown of Thorns, Scarhead, and his uh, solo hip hop stuff. Uh, Hoya from Madball, uh, yeah, Murphy's Law. Uh, let's see, I, I saw you had a I, picture with Tim Armstrong, also. Oh, so from Rancid, what's up with that? I really, really want to do something with Tim, but uh, the way that happened was another person that we're working with is Rico out of uh, Kansas City, uh, who goes by Boss Hooligan Sound System, and mm-hmm. he was on tour, he's done a lot, he, he's a DJ does a lot of like yeah. uh, old ska and reggae and stuff like that. And uh, he was on tour with Rancid and it turns out Tim was his morning coffee buddy every day. So he's like, yes, yeah, so oh. I'm out on the road. And I was like, okay, but you have to send me pictures back of Tim with the coffee. And uh, that, that's how that came about. And that's I've even sent, I, I sent Tim a big box of coffee at one point and I never heard anything from him, but we'll see. Oh, Th- those are my two... 
I want to I want to do something with Tim, and I want to sit down and have coffee with Vinny Stigma from Agnostic Front. Oh my gosh, we <laughs> I have so many great Vinny Stigma stories from playing with them, and he's a character in the best way possible. I've never met the guy. He, uh, he is he's kind of a smaller guy. I'm kind of a smaller guy too, and he's smaller than I am. But he, <laughs> he just has is a huge like, presence. Huge presence. He like lights up the room. He makes you feel welcome. He makes you, he like, he, it's being around Vinny Stiglitz is almost like drinking a cup of coffee. He just like wakes you up and he, <laughs> you, he, you're present. Like he's demanding. You know what I'm saying? Never like he's like, look at me. I'm pretty stigma. And you're like, I'll gladly listen to what you have to say. <laughs> because awesome. cause we were like, Vinny, we're, we're, we're trying to do like, trying to take some footage for a documentary or a music video. Is it cool if we ask you some questions? And he like, lights up and he's like, let's do it. <laughs> it's just like, what do you guys want to talk about? It was great. It was a good time. So that's a, that would be a, a great person to have coffee with for sure. Definitely. Definitely. So do you like talk to these, you know, talk to these guys and, and get kind of like what they're into and then make something off of that or. Yeah. What I'll usually do uh, is. You know, I'll contact somebody or they'll contact me and we'll sort of talk about what they like in coffee and what their their interest is in doing it. And then I'll just send them a box of samples and then they'll get back to me and say, you know, I like this one, but maybe a little like this. And can you do this? And, uh, you know, either they'll say they'll like the Ethiopia Guji, but they'll want it roasted a little darker or, you know, just or they'll want me to make a blend for them. And, uh, and then we go from there and, uh, they have complete control of the labels as long as they're not super obscene. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because we do sell, we sell in grocery stores and coffee shops and online. So I I don't want to go completely Gigi Allen with my labels and (laughs) maybe lose some family business, but I also don't want to be so stiff that, you know, we're not having any fun with it. But then, you know, yeah, once we sure. once we get everything decided, uh, I do all the printing of the labels, all the roasting, bagging, put it on the website. Um, and, you know, they get a cut from every bag I sell. And, uh, you know, if they want to sell, well, when there are shows again, or if they have a storefront, they get everything at a wholesale price. And this way, you know, it's sort of like, it, I, I set it up sort of like an old school seven inch deal. Where like, you know, say you did a seven inch with Revelation or whatever, and, you know, they give you a bunch for free and then you might get, you know, a dollar for everyone that sold. I don't know what Revelation's model was, but you, you know, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, we did that with Up the Pups, right? Like I was like, hey, I want 10 bags. Um, I'm going to pay for, I paid for shipping and then I sent you whatever. So yeah, so, yeah, exactly. How did, I do, how did I do that? Yeah, like I paid you what the overhead was. And then we ended up giving $5 a bag to the shelter. Yeah. And we still, we're, we don't move a lot of it these days, but it's still up on the site and every bag that's uh, really, the, it, it is. Oh yeah. 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 Gonna, Unless you want me to take it order down. A few bags. No, but, I didn't. But I, yeah. That was going to be my next question. Actually. I was going to ask if it was still up there and if I could order some. Absolutely. And yeah, we, you know, we, we only sell a few a month, but, you know, we still sell, send them $5 for every bag that we sell. That's really amazing. So I don't want to put you on the spot. 
And I, <laughs> Mick already knows where I'm going, don't you, Mick? Uh-oh. I do. I do. <laughs> all right. Ah, so I don't want to put you on the spot at all. Um, um, about collaborating with coffee and hardcore, making okay. a coffee because, because we could talk about this off the show too, if you want, but, um, Mick and I in November, we really wanted to do kind of like a t-shirt. Uh, no, I, did I say November? I meant it's in February. Yeah. Yeah. My bad. Um, cause February, this airs in November, but yeah, in February is when we're going to start our second season. And we want to do t-shirts, coffee mugs, and we really want to have coffee. That was one thing we talked about. Awesome. That was one thing we talked about. (laughs) Mick gets his wish. (laughs) (laughs) Now that means Mick gets two things. Remember? What are the, tell me, when we started this podcast, before we even had episode one up, what did you tell me you wanted to do the future plans? One was a coffee mug. Yeah. What, say it again. One was a coffee mug, and, yeah. the, and the second was our own coffee. <laughs> yeah. And then what was the third thing? The third thing is that people would send us free coffee. <laughs> well, that that's been thing? happening. That's, that's been, been happening. No, the record label. Oh, yeah. The record label was the third thing. Yeah. Yeah. So since this is, uh, since I talked to my, my wife and got the okay. <laughs> <laughs> And it's November. We can announce it that Coffee and Hardcore is officially doing a, a digital label. Yeah. Officially. Officially. We already have stuff out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And we're expecting a call from Larry, who's putting out the uh, this, this compilation with 30 great bands on it. Hoods is on it. A lot of other great bands. Uh, my band and Mick's band to live his sons. His band after Zao is on it. Um and it's to raise money for suicide prevention. And so he actually, he texted me and said he was calling in. I don't know. Did you see that? He is. You want me to admit him now? Yeah. What a perfect segue. And I know what a perfect segue. Here he comes. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> is he coming in? Dead air. This is where we put a commercial for Oak and Crow Coffee. Oak and Crow Coffee, oh, New York's he... finest coffee. It says he's unmute. Let me try to get him. See if I can. He's, un- he's muted himself. He muted himself. I'm trying to unmute him. So you said you're by the Finger Lakes, eh? People disappear in the Finger Lakes. Yes. You know I have a cabin up in the Finger Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask the same thing. I was going to ask the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'll take you up there sometime. <laughs> that was a Seinfeld reference if you didn't catch it. No, I, I actually never watched a lot of Seinfeld. Oh! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's also from like the office. Radio show? Oh, it I is? don't watch the office either. Come on, man. Oh. <laughs> what? Are we going to have, are we going to have buttons where we can make sounds from now? on? like, oink, oink. Uh-uh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we need, we need that. Where do I, where do I buy that? You don't watch the office or Seinfeld. Oh, no. That shit's got to change. You'd love it. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did just finish watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. We just, my yes. wife and I finished the whole series. That show is so good. Yeah, I have to admit, I did, I did like, I prefer him doing that than on the show Seinfeld. Seinfeld. You know what? I love Seinfeld. Hello? Hello! Hello! 
Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love it. I just don't think his stand-up's funny. I don't know that I've ever seen his stand-up. I can't get into it I, either. I can't. What's up, Larry? What's up? <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. We were just talking about the comp, and I, I was like, oh, he texted me. He said he's coming on. <laughs> I was spacing out doing comp stuff and then totally forgot to call in. It's all good. Introduce yourself. Let's, uh, we're going to, we're going to segue a little bit and then we'll come back to Oak Crow. You got your 15 Sweet. minutes. Sweet. Um, my name is Larry Passanier. Uh, I play guitar and vocals in a band called X iron sharpens iron X. And we are putting together an awesome comp full of some awesome people that are all donating a track and their time and their hearts um, to assist um, in suicide prevention. There's some great bands on it. And um, I was in the middle of getting some of the bands together when you guys talked about wanting to be a big part of it too. And that was amazing. And then uh, Steven from straight edge for Christ wanted to get involved. So it's just been a lot has happened really fast, but it's been amazing. So it's like, a lot of good things are to come, and a lot of people have been coming together for this compilation, and it's been amazing. Yeah, uh, tell, just name some of the bands that are on this thing. <clears throat> There's some, uh, a little bit of all over the the U.S. too. Um, Blood and Blood Out from Indiana, um, Hoods from California, um, Vane, Two Minute Minor, of course. Um, What's your damage? Um, Hobo Stew, which is a sweet grind band from Detroit. Smash Your Enemies, um, Anthony Up. Um, of course, Worst Self, which is another great band from Michigan. Um, Joel's other project, Walk Fearless, is a playing a song on there too. I bought um, his cassette tape for that project. I love that, his solo stuff. It's so good. Like, I know, I, it's and really I, good. Like, everything that he's ever done vocally or anything oh yeah brothers amazing yeah brothers is a huge inspiration for me growing up i mean same and he, that he's just a solid awesome dude like so i mean when there's good people making great music it's like i can't support him enough yeah and, and so w- what gave you the idea to do it for suicide prevention well like when i when i first released my ep um because I, I'm a suicide uh, survivor, so a year ago, I went through some troubling times and attempted to take my own life, and thankfully, thank God, I wasn't su- successful in it. My wife was there. Amen. Um, but, but after that, I was like, I started seeing a psychiatrist and just people that, you know, the tools that not everybody thinks to use, like the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, so after that, I, I put out my EP and all the physical copies for that. And, you know, we did tapes, you guys did tapes for me for that, which was amazing. And I appreciated, um, yeah. all that went, so all that like, money goes too, right? Right. And I was like, well, you know what? I, 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 try, I did what I could do with my stuff, but I'd love to get more people involved to try to do something even bigger for suicide prevention. And it wasn't for suicide prevention, right away we were trying to think of multiple causes but that still is just the one that you know was on the tip of the iceberg well all of us were like yeah it, the world needs it right now there's so many people struggling right now with mental you know struggles and depression especially in the midst of covid you know suicide numbers have over doubled it's gone up right 
Yep. Yeah. It's, it's over. I I heard that, but uh, no, I mean, after that, and it's just so many people, when you get to that state, like I have a lot of friends, uh, you know, that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have lost a lot of loved ones uh, to suicide within, especially the last year or so. And I just wanted to try to include as many people. And so we can all reach out to more people so that they know that they're not alone in their struggles. I think a lot of people think that, you know, they're alone and nobody cares about them. I mean, cause there's a lot of people too, that aren't believers. So they don't have, you know, that stability and, and having a relationship with God either. So sometimes those people struggle, I think a little bit harder cause they really feel alone. So, yeah. I mean, would you, would you be opposed to getting a little personal deep and real real quick? Yeah, no, definitely. Or you want to keep, or you want to keep it lighthearted? No, I can get real. That's, that's fine. Okay. So I don't want to overstep. So if, if I do, it's fine if you don't want to answer, but what drove you to, to, to thinking that the only way out was to take your own life? A lot of childhood stuff, um, build, builds up just cause you know, when you get to a mind frame of thinking, it's not like, it's not something that you start thinking about just, just then and there, it's something that you develop over a year. It's like, when I was talking to the person that that was my psychiatrist or somebody that I was trying to talk through these issues with, she was like, you've programmed your brain to just think less and less of yourself throughout the years. So I had mm-hmm. zero confidence. Um, and, and I, I had a really bad anxiety. So bad enough to where I would think about one thing that most people would dismiss as just a, you know, a silly thought or something that you wouldn't think twice about. And I would play out the scenario in my head over and over again until it became a fact like it was, it was yeah. something that was definitely happening right then and there. And there was no way I could prevent it, even though it was something that was usually pretty silly and something that I shouldn't have even thought twice about, but stuff sure. like that, um, health issues, um, family issues. Um, there's a lot of different things like that. And it all just kind of built up until I hit like fight or flight and mm-hmm. I hit flight. <laughs> so, Do you think that health, uh, like body health issues, do you think that actually affects your mind? Like, do you think if you're healthier body, you have a healthy mind, healthier mind? To a, to a degree, I do. Um, but I, I definitely think that, like, I, I started doing keto and stuff and everything before this, so I actually was not in bad health per se. Mm-hmm. It was more just, like, bad mental health because I was beating myself up about things I, sh- I shouldn't have. Sure. Um, just taking on more than what you can handle, you know, a, a, any normal person can only take on so much stress and, you yeah. know, worry. And unfortunately I, I'm, I'm somebody that likes to, to bear a lot of burden when it comes to worrying and stress. I get that from my grandpa. Well, you're, so. a, you're a hard worker too. Like you always seem to be doing something and doing it a hundred percent and right. making sure it gets done. Um, and in in the music industry, <laughs> that's you're kind of a unicorn. You know what I mean? Thanks, man. And that's why I, li- I really like working with you because you take it seriously. And like you were saying, oh, I was working on the comp. I was working on doing this stuff for bands. I was working on, you know, you're not seeing any money from any of this. You're not financially gaining anything you're doing this because you love it and because you love people and you want to get this message out and you want people to be safe you want them to be mentally safe you know right 
So that's huge. Yeah, and, and I appreciate that. And it's just it's one of those things where it's like I grew up in the hardcore scene, and to me that was what the hardcore scene was all about. It was every you know people look at you as outcast depending on you know where you grew up. And I mean, like I know when I was growing up and I was first straight edge, people looked at me like I was crazy because people would buy me drinks or whatever, not to say no. But like when you're you're put together, it's like there. That's where you can belong and be with one another and thrive. So it's like then you can do the outreach and build yeah. those friendships and and you know look look at you know we're self brothers and me and you like we all met. Oh, met we've each known each other for a long long time. Ago. Right. Yeah. And, how, and, how long ago do you think? Um, fifteen years maybe. Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, because I mean, I was in time of plague when you were in their teeth, and we yeah. played lots See, of that's, shows. That's what I like about you guys. Like, you were in this like brutal ass metal band, and I was in this like indie punk band, and right. we played shows together, and it worked. Like, <laughs> people right. loved it, it you know? Blast. Yeah, it was. It was fun. No, I mean, that's that's what it's for, too, is like the, let people know they're not alone, but then just to build more friendships because. You know, as you get older, like when you're younger, you're like, yeah, I, re- I want to tour. I want to make money. This is what I want to do for a living. And you, I think sometimes you lose sight of this. Like, no, the whole point is just to build friendships and have experiences that you can look back on when you're older. It's 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 not about money or anything like that. It's just about, you know, sharing the love with each other. Yeah. And I think the older I got, the more I really understood that, too, is like, OK, this is a hobby and life is like you just said, life is building these friendships and building these relationships. And those are the things that actually last because bands will come and go. And that, that, you know, that kind of stuff will just fade away, even though you might start another band, but that's where the friendships are, you know? Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what made this comp. So, so awesome and special to me too, is a lot of these people I've had relationships with, with for years, like Blood and Blood Out. Yeah. I've known Darren from from Blood and Blood Out for over a decade from playing shows with him and setting shows up for them. I've and known Drink Their Blood. You've known Jeff. Yep, I know Jeff. Um, I know all those dudes. Um, and and even Mike Coulds. I used to play shows with him when he they'd come through and we'd play shows together in Grand Rapids. That's so, what you were telling me. I was like, how in the world do you get hoods on this thing? And you're like, ah, oh, that dude's rad. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a killer dude. He wants to do whatever he can to, to help other bands. Um, and he just has a lot of love for, you know, the community and the hardcore scene. And that's how a lot of the bands on the label were. Are, I mean, the, that's how um, it should be. You know, you get in this big right. band, this bigger band and people look up to you. It's like, that's when it's the most important to be cool and to help. Exactly. You know, so many people get to that point where they become like iconic in a way. And then they're, and then they're like, eh, that, you know, I've, I put in my time. I don't need to help anybody. And it's right. like, but now you're in the position where you can really help. Right. And, and that's, cool that's that he does that. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, and all the other bands too, I mean, Annie up and smash that you smash your enemies are all really cool dudes that really wanted to be a part of it. I know I was, I was really, really happy when I heard Murph from Skeletons is opening back up and they're opening up at their old location. Cause I you don't like, even know how many memories that flooded back when you posted that. <laughs> I, I was, I, I'm just beyond stoked. I'm like, I, even if I wasn't in a band, I'd be wanting to form a band just so I could go and play at Skeletons again. Dude, some of the best shows. Exactly. That he, Murph has he, just a giant heart. Oh, he's a rad dude. Really is. I remember I read the story about him. I didn't know he was, wasn't he in like a hair metal band or something? 
I don't, or a I metal, don't know about that. Or a metal band and he had long hair at one point? Because ever since I've known Murphy, he's been bald. Right. Yeah, I think he <laughs> might have been in like a metal band or something like that. I know. He he's a quit, Christian. You know, yeah, he, he, he stopped Skeletons the first time so that he could be a youth pastor. Was that when it was upstairs in the coffee shop? No, it was even after they moved it downstairs because Murph was still oh. running it when it was downstairs too. Um, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. he sold it. Um, to then it became the mixtape, but yeah, yeah. He, he I, you know what? Could work at to be honest, I never liked the mixtape. No, me neither. I because played there a few times and it just wasn't my thing. That owner, he just, he, I don't know, something didn't jive with him and me. Well, he tried rubbing things wrong. Like he tried, like it would have been like if we would have opened up the venue and be like, okay, well, we're straight edge, so nobody can smoke cigarettes outside. Like he was vegetarian, so he wouldn't let people like eat beef jerky on property. And he was I remember, I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, okay. I remember our guitar like, player at the time was like, he wanted a hamburger, and the guy was like, uh, no. He's like, well, like do you know a place to get a hamburger? Do you know a place to get a hamburger? Oh, if I did, I wouldn't tell you. Like <laughs> shit like that it was just like, what? <laughs> Dude, right. Come on. It's like everybody, everybody, different strokes for different folk. I mean, I'm great for him for being vegetarian or whatever, but you know, that's just like, I don't know. Like I, when I was younger, I can fully admit that I was an asshole plenty of times. I, I wore the kill your local drug dealer hoodie and all that stuff when I was first straight edging and you know, the really heavy bands. And as I get mm-hmm. older, I'm just like, yeah, that's, that's not me. I, when you do things like that and you have an attitude like that, you have a tendency to push people out of the scene that you're trying to build. Yeah. It almost reminds me of, do you remember, Mick, you probably remember this being in the Christian scene. Do you remember that, um, uh, rock for life? Yes. Back in the nineties. So they had yes. this thing and they had made hoodies and stickers and shirts and they made a big deal. Abortion was homicide, right? It was like all these Christian kids were wearing this abortion is homicide shirt and it always rubbed me the wrong way. I was, uh, I couldn't stand those hoodies. It's right. It's like, okay, you're, it's, you're making this into like a slogan when there's right. people who are suffering, who actually had abortions and right. they see this and they completely freak out and melt down. And yeah, it's, they relive all those emotions. Yeah. It's, just, <laughs> it's brutal. <laughs> and actually our t-shirt company, we print all the shirts for like for them and for all those nineties Christian uh metal and punk bands. And I remember when they switched over to us to print, they wanted to print those. And Darren, the guy who runs the shop, my boss, was like he actually had a talk with him. He's like, Look, I don't think we should print these. I don't think this is a good idea. I think this is gonna turn more people away. And they right. listened to him and yeah. they started print they still print some some sketchy things here and there, but it's a lot better now. It's more thought out. And that's good because I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, abortion isn't ever a, a nobody's ever like happy about it, but you know, right. You know, that person has to live with that for the rest of their lives. I mean, do they really need somebody to rub their nose in what they did? And sometimes, you know, there, there's different cases for everyone. And I think that they should still have the right to be able to have that done safely. I, I mean, yeah. that's one of the things where unless you're, you're a woman, I really don't think you can have an opinion on the subject. I agree. You know, and I, I mean, think the just, tough thing is, is when I, when I was living in New York after living in Chicago for a little while, um, I lived in kind of like this Christian squat house and 
Well, it wasn't a squat house. It was more like a Christian punk house. Um, and you know, we had, to, we had like 18 people living there and we turned the basement into like eight different bedrooms with curtains, you know, that kind of deal. And w- this girl across the hall from the bathroom had that abortionist homicide sticker on her door. And we had these people over from the vegan deli, uh, the girls that worked at the vegan deli, and they were sitting on the couch, and this one girl was like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And we're like, oh, okay, the bathroom's over there to the right, you know, whatever. So all of a sudden, she comes, like, down the hallway crying and storms out the door. And we're like, what in the world? What just happened? And right. her, friend, her friend's like, I'm going to go check on her. I, this is weird. I'm sorry. And she, her friend comes back in after being out there for, like, 10 minutes, and she's like, oh, my, my friend had an ab- abortion about a year ago, and she's really – really like ate up and sad about it. And she saw that sticker and it really did a lot of harm to her. We're going to have to go. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, that sticker. (laughs) I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, what, I mean, we're like, you know, I I just don't understand what the point is other than to try to shame somebody for something. And you don't really know the reason that they might've done that. I mean, you know, right. I, you, you can't fault somebody for something like that. I mean, just like, you know, even though like we're straight edge and stuff like that, like I don't ever, con- you see people like condemning people like on, you know, the group pages and stuff for being drug addicts or things like that. I'm like, you know, why don't you think about trying to assist them or give them an ear to be able to talk to, you know, not everybody, most people aren't a drug addict because they want to be addicted to drugs. Oh, for you know, sure. Straight edge, isn't, straight edge isn't to try to be holier than thou and, you know, say, oh, well, you do drugs, so you're a terrible person. You know, no matter what, we're supposed to love people and try to help them become better people. You know, you're supposed to be straight edge for yourself, not to try to, you know, rub other people's noses in it. So, yeah, I don't know. It's one of those things. Same thing with the with, like that with abortion. It's one of those things. I just think you should try to be a good person and, I don't know, try to love people through their bad situations. I totally agree with you. But Larry, I know your wife is uh, is leaving for a week or two, right? Yes, yes, sir. Um, and I know you only had a certain amount of time, and we're trying to we're trying to plug this uh, this comp for suicide prevention. But we are going to let you go so we can finish our conversation with Oak Crow. And we thank you so much for being on the show and go spend some time with your wife. Well, and we can't. And, oh, when is when is this dropping? Is this trying to drop by Thanksgiving? The yeah, physical. Yep. I want to like I'm going to bust my tail, and I'm getting all the live photos from bands because the whole inside of the the layout is going to be like old school, like hardcore thrash, like poster, just like collage yeah. style. And um, mm-hmm. I'm going to work on that, and I want to have the order put out by the end of next week at the latest for physical copies, so that we have. Okay. But we're going to try to have it out by Thanksgiving, right? Absolutely. Um, okay. so hopefully it comes in because I mean, if it comes in sooner than that, I mean, we'll, we'll try to make it available as soon as we both have physical copies in our hands. Yeah. I, we just want to know so we can announce it on the show. Um, yeah. cause this is coming out yeah. in November, but by at least we'll Thanksgiving. Like, okay, cool. By at least Thanksgiving and coffee and hardcore, Mick and I are proud to be sponsors of this comp and we thank you so much for letting us do that and for letting us get on board and assist you in any way that we can have it be a little or big, whatever you need. 
Yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you guys jumping on board with it and just being awesome people in general. Uh, I love you both of you guys. Thanks, man. Awesome. Love you too, brother. Yeah. <laughs> love you guys. You have a good one, man. You too. Hey, we'll having. talk to you later. We'll have you on the show again when we, when we make an announcement about something that you, me, and Mick are going to do in the future. Sounds amazing to me, man. You know what it is. Mick knows what it is. I know I'm what it is, but no one else does. Not a clue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my brother. Hang up. I'm going to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, brother. Thank you for your time. Love you too, man. Later. All right, we're back with Oak and Crow. I'm so sorry. I can't wait to hear that comp. (laughs) Yeah, it's got some great bands on it, man. I'm excited for it. Mick. Yes, sir. Got some questions. (laughs) Wait, Mick. I got a question (laughs) for you. Okay. Ooh, even Uh, better. So last time I was at Cornerstone, it was 97. Okay. Were you still with Zayo at that show? And did I meet you there? Let me think. So that... You would have been, right? No, not 97, because my last show... Is that Blood and Fire? No. That would have been... My last show was with... Was before Cornerstone with Earth Crisis and... Um, I cannot remember the other band. Uh, I remember that was, I think that was the first time I saw Zayo that year. I, I believe that's the year I played there with Clank and uh, outside the Zayo uh, tent, there was a, there was a half pipe and some dude broke his ankle. It was so uh, gnarly. Like his foot was pointing a different direction. Oof. Oh, it was brutal. Anyway, that wasn't me. So but, 90, but how do you, how, 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 <laughs> I can spit it out. How, how, <laughs> So you, I didn't know that you played with Clank. That's crazy. Yeah, I, I played with a few bands. Played no with way. A few bands. Yeah. Tell them the other band. What's that? Tell them the other bands. Uh, well, uh, I was one of the original members of The Blamed. Boom. And then... Uh, <laughs> did you know that, Mick? First, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, did the first Left Out album. He was on, he was on 21. Oh, crazy. Yeah, I wrote half that album with Brian. It was uh that that was a really funny process. And then uh yeah, he called so me. You up were on the working class like, album with uh Left Out, right? No no no, uh Pride it? Kills. Oh, Pride Kills. Okay. Yeah, the first one. He uh I was actually living in New York and he was in Ohio at the time and he calls me up Bri- and he's like, Hey, Brian I got yeah, yeah, Brian Gray. And uh, he's like, hey, I got us a record deal. I was like, dude, we don't have a band anymore. He's like, just hear me out. (laughs) He's like, write six songs and meet me in Ohio. And we met up uh, at uh, Mike Porter's place, I believe. Both in middle. And uh, actually, during one of the the, uh, practice sessions, uh, unless I have this wrong, one of their friends was hanging out. And she's like, hey, guys. If any's, anybody's interested, the uh, the business is playing tonight. And everybody wow. turns and looks at me. And I was like, I got to go. And they're like, yeah, we'll see you later. And it oh, was, he knew. <laughs> oh, man. It was one of the best shows I've ever seen, except the fact that uh, right after the business played, oh, there uh, we didn't know, but there were all these neo-Nazis in the back. Obviously, oh, the I'm place sure. is full of... All, the place was full of skinheads, obviously, but all the neo-Nazis were way in the back where we couldn't see them. And then after the bummer. business played, me and my new friend were just talking about how awesome it was. Then we heard some yelling, 
and we saw this really tall neo-Nazi just lean back and punch a woman in the face. Oh, and the entire place erupted in violence. And the, the woman looks at me, she's like, we got to go. I was like, yeah, let's yeah. go. It was... Uh, That's crazy. Ohio's a rough spot. Yes. That's not the show where... No, that's not the same show. And so that wasn't the show where Brian and Jeff got hit with baseball bats. That was oh, later no, on. they didn't go. They sent me and they stayed back. Oh, the house. Okay. They didn't have any interest. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, I once Freaking neo-Nazis. A, I once played a show in Cleveland one time with... Um, it was... Let's see. It was us and Six Feet Deep. Yes. Pretty sure Strong Arm was there, Shia Lude and integrity and for some reason one life crew got to play <laughs> oh, wow. wow that, that was a, a me- lineup yes and that yeah, was a that was a mess and that was right around the time where they got busted for saying a bunch of stupid stuff and one life crew and then it wasn't too long after that we went and saw six feet deep play some it wasn't a festival but it was like a huge list of bands in this warehouse and integrity played and they decided to let one life crew play three songs. And that was the infamous (laughs) show where they where me and Steve came off the stage and punched that girl and basically got kicked off of, I think they were on victory. Then they got kicked off of victory for that. Cause of course, as they should have, they were, (laughs) it was insane. And we all had, we all had these pass. They had gave out passes and they had passes to where we could get backstage where six feet deep was and some other guys that we knew. And we turned them in cause we were going to leave after integrity. And then all that crap happened. And we were like, go out the back door. And so we tried to go out the back door and the security <laughs> guard was like, Nope. And I'm like, Oh, we just turned in our passes. So we had to go through the huge mess. Cops came. I think yeah, and Jesse got the front end of his brand new car. Somebody kicked it in. It was an insane night. Like, all the violence aside, do you remember who was singing for Shy Halud at that point? Was Geert singing for them? No, it was Chad. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, the, the first guy, the Ch- Chad, who's now in, uh, what's the Newfound Glory, the guitar player, mm-hmm. Chad. He was the original singer for Shy Halud. Yeah. Man, you guys so, are making me miss playing shows. <laughs> it's killing me. <laughs> No, well, the, no one's the town, really playing shows right now. <laughs> well, yeah. But the thing is that the area that I'm in, it's heavy uh, bluegrass and reggae. Oh. There's, well, well, there's some good reggae out there. No, I, I, love, I love reggae. But the thing is, like, there's, not, there's no hardcore scene in this area. I mean, if you go uh, about an hour from here to Syracuse, obviously, you know, all the Earth Crisis and, you know, all those bands yeah. are going to be up there. But... In the Ithaca area, there's really nothing going on, which is weird because in the 80s, I think it was Pyramid Studio uh, was a place where Anthrax and SOD and a bunch of a bunch of bands recorded albums. But there's nothing heavy in this town anymore. That's crazy. There's a huge yeah, noise. Yeah, it's, it's really crazy because we, Two Minute Minor, uh, I think it was, shit, it might have been two years now, maybe a year ago. I don't know. We, uh, we went and pray, play for... If I could talk, I'd tell you. We went and played um, Brooklyn. And Mike had been telling me stories about Brooklyn. And we show up, and it's like all the walls are spray painted and everything. I'm like, oh, this is going to be this is gonna be awesome and sketchy. It was like super hipstery. It was weird. <laughs> what club was it? Oh, gosh. I don't remember. It was – there was like this fancy club. I guess I could – hold on. 
I can look it up. But it, there was like this fancy club um, beneath it. And then you walked up like tons of stairs that you don't want to carry all your equipment up. But you had to anyway. What is it? Knitting factory, maybe? I don't know. I'm trying to look mm. it up here. Hold on a second. Um, but it was like this really nice club on the bottom. And then up top looked like it was the really nice clubs, like crack addicted brother or something. Like it was pretty bad, but it was really <laughs> fun to play. And we played with some great bands and he was like, where are you guys from talking to Bob? And I'm like, Oh, we're from Chicago. He's like, what? No way. Get out of here. He's like, Chirac. I wouldn't, I would never go there. And I'm like, what? This is New York. <laughs> oh, it doesn't really matter, but, uh, well now I it does. I got it in my head. <laughs> I, I, you know how that goes, or at least for me. Oh, my, before my I forget, OCD. while you're looking that up, I was, uh, letting you know who we did collaborations with. And, uh, I gotta let you know, we also do one with Mr. Lee, uh, talented artist, DJ, old school graffiti guy from the city. And then uh, we do one with one of my closest friends, Mel, and it's a union supported coffee. Uh, he's an oh, old cool. school union uh, industrial painter. And we just released a collaboration with him. And if you're a union, you get a discount in it. Uh, awesome. Oh, that's crazy. And then I also have to mention, we have an ongoing thing with uh Steve Crandall, who uh, was one of the owners and founders of FBM, BMX company. And uh, now he's, now that FBM is no longer, he's doing a thing called Rad Share and they're raising money to uh, like get kids helmets and bikes and stuff like that for, you know, that might not be able to afford it. Like he's just a super, super sweet dude. And uh, how'd you get hooked up with him? Uh, so I, I've been riding BMX since the early 80s. And when I discovered FBM in the 90s, they were, like, all about, like, blowing cars up and motorhead and, you know, just all kinds of craziness, you know, drinking, breaking bottles over their head and just, like, riding really hard and living harder. They're a bunch of rednecks, sort of. Some they, of them was there a documentary about those guys? No, they have a bunch of videos out. Um, and my wife and I... Sounds very getting, familiar. Instead of getting wedding rings, we got, uh, we took our take on the, uh, their 10th anniversary, uh, DVD cover. And we got both mm -hmm. of that got tattooed on the back of our necks because we were just so into what they did. And we were into bikes and that whole thing. We're nerds, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we're nerds. So I find, I found it. It's El Cortez in Brooklyn, New York. Never been there. I don't think. Huh. No. Interesting. No, I don't well, know. That's when, my story. Most of the shows I went to in the city were either uh, like ABC No Rio or. Uh, yeah. I can't remember if there were shows or just hangouts at Sea Squat and then uh, the Wetlands, stuff like that. So um, you, are you, you're from New York then, right? Not the city. Uh, I'm from about an hour and a half north, uh, uh, a city called Newburgh, which okay, kind of grimy. Uh, but so, how did you get in? How did you get hooked up with Brian Gray from the Blamed? Uh, so I moved a lot 
Uh, up until I was 30, I probably moved every six months to two years since I was born. I was just constantly moving around. And it's a long story that I'm not even going to get into. But uh, at one point when I moved back to the Bay Area when I was 16, I was in a guitar shop where Michael, Brian's dad, worked. And uh, I put up a flyer looking for a band because I had just left New York and I was... I was in a band previously, my first hardcore band called As One after the Warzone song. And yeah. it was a lot of fun. We got to play with like Uppercut, Outburst, Mucky Pup, Biohazard. Like we played some good shows upstate. And that's awesome. I'm hungry for it. So we, uh, you know, we end up in the Bay Area again and I put up a flyer looking for a band. And Michael comes out and he's like, What are you doing? I was like, Oh, you know, I'm new to the area looking for a band. And he looks at the flyer. He's like, ugh, you got to call my son, Brian. He loves that punk rock shit. Pardon my language. Because <laughs> he's a hippie guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brian's I, dad? Yeah. I think uh, his mom and dad both are in that, uh, they might be in the Grateful Dead Touch of Grey video, but I'm not positive. Oh, no way. I got to ask him about that. You got to ask him. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he gives me Brian's number and... Uh, we start talking, jam a little bit, and, you know, we started some random projects together, and he introduced me to, like, uh, what song was it? I think he played me Space Truckin', the Vengeance cover of Space Truckin'. Oh, my God. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the first Crucified album. And, yeah, the uh, best. And we just started, you know, talking, hanging out. and uh, Wait, did he show you the Crucified? Like, you'd never heard him before? I never heard him, no. Oh, the, did it blow your mind when he played it for you? Yeah, I was really surprised because uh, before that... Yeah, this the, is Christian? Only, the only Christian band I ever heard before that was Striper. And I'm yeah, not going to lie, I'm a huge, huge 80s rock fan. And the guitar yeah. work is great. Um, so we... Uh, I guess I had moved again... And then come back. And while I was back in New York, he had started the Blamed with a few other people. Uh, Mark, who's now yeah, in. Jim, uh, right? That? This was, was Jim the, the original drummer? No, this is way before Jim. Oh. Yeah, oh, this was that. The only thing out was a, a hand-done, like, four-track demo called Pay the Rent with stick figures on the cover. Oh, my gosh. I'm and learning then, some new things. He asked me to... <laughs> Uh, we were still in contact and he's like, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, I got this band together. Do you want to play us? Like, absolutely. So uh, we start playing and we're playing uh, places like, so his parents ran, you know, I don't, I don't want to give too much away just in case. What, what do you mean? Uh, I, Hey, I don't know. I don't know if uh, anybody has secrets. So, <laughs> Oh, I got you. Gotcha. But anyway, we, we had this awesome practice space that was the punkest thing you could imagine. Uh, is ridiculous but anyway so we we started playing shows at like gilman street some other places and yeah, which is he's telling about that armstrong he was at one of our shows and he comes up after the show and he's like hey i like what you guys are doing uh we'd like you to play some shows with us in oakland and i about freaked out because they of course this, this was before their first album was out and i would see them like at least once before Rantis for some was out. Yeah. Yeah. So was he op Ivy times? It was, uh, or no, it was it in between. Ivy, 
uh, but before they released their first album. And of oh, course, so like, in, so he quit. He had quit, or not quit, but Op Ivy had Op fallen Ivy apart, and then yeah, yeah, gotcha. Um, but anyway, so we uh, we wrote all the stuff for the first album, Twenty One, and then we made this. But Jim session. played drums on Twenty One, didn't he? Yeah. So we moved to. Okay. We packed up. I had a VW van again. We packed up. We moved to Huntington Beach, and. Uh, you know, that's where we got everybody else together. And that's when I first went to the green room, met everybody there and it kind of blew my mind. I got to meet uh, Jeff Ballou and uh, the whole cast of characters. It was awesome. And yeah, Jim played on that and he wrecked it. It was great. I don't mean wrecked. So I don't, how did you guys get in contact with Jim? Cause I don't even know that story. I don't even know. Brian would just tell me weird things. Like we would have practice and, you know, the band was sort of on and off because any story that he tells you about me being flaky is 100% true. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, you know, the band was kind of on and off, or at least I was on and off. Uh, but uh, he calls me up one day. He's like, hey, I got us a record deal. I was like, Brian, th- so this is not too long after the whole yeah. Tim Armstrong thing. Uh, we were supposed to start playing shows with them. They broke up. I don't remember why. I'm going to assume it was my fault. Flaky guy. Wait, wait, wait. Back up real quick. Who broke up? Blinked. So we stopped playing for a bit. And then... Oh, you guys broke up. Yeah, yeah. This is before we moved down to Huntington Beach. Sorry. Let's go back. So Tim says he wants us to play shows with Branson in Oakland. We're stoked. We break up not too long later uh, for a little while. Then Brian calls me up and he's like, hey, I got us a record deal. And I was like, what do you mean? So no no shows happen with... Him, unfortunately, no. It, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, and then he's like, "Hey, I got us a record deal," and I was like, "Dude, we're not even a band." He's like, <laughs> "Songs together." This was sort of a thing with me and Brian. He would just call me up and be like, "We're gonna do this. Write some songs. Let's go." I was like, yeah. "All right." He said, "You were you were great." And we we uh, get everything together. I think when we were talking about doing that that blamed resurrection album or whatever you want to call it. He said he brought you up. He's like, it'd be cool if we could get him to play guitar and told me uh, some stories, but said you were a super busy dude. And I didn't even connect the dots then that you were the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he, he tells me like, you know, I got us a record deal. Let's do this. So we get it together. And somewhere in there is when he did everything with Jim and got all that set up. Uh, he got, uh, what's his name? Eric Churchill to play bass. And I'm trying to think if there, there had to have been somebody else in the band. I'm missing somebody and I'm going to feel really bad at some point. Well, Brian, was there two guitar players? Yeah, Did Brian. Brian play guitar or yeah. Yeah. We, so we he was singing also, right? Because, uh, Jeremy wasn't in the band yet. No, that was pre Jeremy. Uh, Jeremy came in because I got flaky again and left. And, uh, oh, so you weren't, you weren't on, the greatest blamed album of all time. Braille? No. No. Who knows? Do you ever regret that? No, because the thing is, I, I feel bad that I was so flaky, but I don't regret it because I got into Learning process. traveling and experience. And, you know, I, I did some train hopping for a while, stayed in some squats, hitchhiked, and just kind of just did a lot of life experience stuff, which was awesome. 
Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so, yeah, we get down there, we record. Jim was awesome. Uh, while we're in the studio, uh, a lesser known band called POD just happened to be there. So they. Nice. Was this like Snuff the Punk era or before? This was, I don't even know. I had never heard of them at the time. They were just kids hanging out at the studio. So uh, crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's totally <laughs> so crazy. These stories are awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, that was a nutty time. Sorry. That's great. Sorry, I keep asking questions in between. I just get, I, I just love these, you know, backstories of how everyone knows each other and how it all came about. It's just crazy. The, the world seems so small when you start to talk about oh, yeah. punk and hardcore. It's just insane. So did you, with the blame, did you play Cornerstone in the barn? Because I think uh, 21 had come out at that time. The only barn I remember barn. playing, I feel like I played Tom Fest in a barn. Maybe? I don't, no, that might have been left out. Cornerstone, I'm trying to remember. It's a... Uh, what year was this you're saying, uh, Mick? It'd either be 93 or 94. Oh, yeah, I wasn't even there. I, my first cornerstone was 97, so I'll stay I'm thinking, out of this one. I'm thinking 94 because I think that's when 21 came out, wasn't in 94? I think. Okay, yeah, that sounds right. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember at all. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> it was. You don't have to remember. <laughs> Give me a break. I'm almost 50. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that was a long time ago, man. What? You're almost 50? You look great for being almost 50. Oh, it's all the vegan. pictures on. You should think about it. <laughs> what do you mean? I am vegan. <laughs> Jerk. No, no. That, that was actually pointed more towards Mick. That's towards me. Oh. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm just ganging up with uh, Sergeant Vegan. <laughs> Sergeant Vegan, volume two. <laughs> I, loved, I loved that Sergeant uh, Vegan chat. It was very interesting. And I love that I tried to put Mick on the spot and he wasn't having it. Like he wouldn't let me put him on the spot. I'm like, this is the fun part. <laughs> no, he wasn't having it at all. It was hilarious. No, he wasn't having it at all. And I'm, I think you even cut some of it. Didn't you? Cause I it did. got like, it got yeah, a little, like it got, got a like, intense. it got like, it got like kind of weird. And I'm like, look, you don't understand. I'm just messing with him. Like, I don't really care. It's just, I'm putting him on the spot. Oh, okay. But don't. <laughs> which is which is cool he you know he didn't want Mick to feel left out even though I I was doing it on purpose to make him feel weird that's what we do that's what we do here at Coffee Hardcore we like right. to make people feel weird we try to be extremely awkward <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right well, this is my first so, podcast then yeah you said you were a, a little nervous and I was like what they're like, have you heard us talk? You're like, yeah, I actually like the show. I've listened to the two episodes and I'm like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> um, but we're going to actually wrap this up here. But I, I do want to ask you, what is your go-to guilty pleasure TV show? All right. You might get surprised. Uh, I'm not a big action suspense movie guy. I love rom-coms. Uh, oh, yeah. Like one of my favorite movies yeah. is Love Actually. Huh. Uh, I Who's love in that watching. Movie? Uh, let's see, Alan Rickman let's see if and uh, the dude that plays Rick on Walking Dead. 
Oh, really? Yeah. It's kind of like... Is that like an early 2000s? Probably. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I uh, oh, we have it on. I know that movie. Isn't that where the dude is like a music guy, and he, they're making star. him sing like, yeah, they're making he's yep. like an old faded rock star, and they make him sing his hit song, but Christmas style. Yep, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, seen that movie. That and uh, honestly, it's not a bad movie. I I really enjoy watching the Gilmore Girls. This Tuesday, it's Girls Night In on the new CW. Oh my God, you're here! I've never seen it. No, how about you, Mick? I'm, I'm, do you notice how quiet I got? I'm. A- <laughs> <laughs> he loves it. Listen, every every time around this year, my wife starts watching it, and it never fails. Really? I get sucked into it. I don't know why. Is Lorelai realizing she made a mistake? This is about you being threatened by Sherry. Christopher, what is going on with you? What's going on with you, Lorelai? Because she bet it all on the wrong guy. Christopher is not Luke. It just <laughs> happens. It happens every single time. And then when the... Uh, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Then when the the Netflix special came out, remember they did like the movie and it was later on, I was totally watching it and I was totally like, why is that person acting like a jerk? I was was so into it. I was like, why is he acting like that? Why are they doing this? I thought they were going to be together. Why is the, why is the girl acting like that? She's being a spoiled little bird. I mean, it was horrible. I totally caught up. That's awesome. I'm learning a new side of Mick that I think I enjoy. <laughs> so I like uh, Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. I thought that was a great show. You know, I'm, y'all get into that. Yeah. I got to admit. Uh, so every morning, uh, my wife and I get up at five o'clock. Uh, Dawn doesn't mm-hmm. have to, but you know, I'm super busy, so it's you know, we we only have a certain amount of hours together during the day, and uh, so we get up at five. We make coffee and toast. And we watch different DVDs while we're on the uh, the exercise bikes. And right now, I'm going through. She does uh, Gilmore Girls right now. She's in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and I'm in the middle of Buffy. I'm Buffy, the Vampire Slayer, and you are. Oh, nice! Look at yeah. that. Nice segue. That's to Buffy. That, uh, you guys have good taste. I... <laughs> we have we have what? You have good taste, Buffy and Gilmore uh... Girls. We do like oak and curl coffee. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, great taste. So let's, <laughs> so let's put a link to oak and curl coffee. Do you, what else? Is there anything else you want us to put a link to? Uh, I don't even know. Uh, sorry, my brain spent because I also manage a cafe any, during the day. Any, 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 uh, any bands you want to plug? Any other coffee companies? Anything? This is your time to let people know of any music that you think should be heard or any friends that do either art or make coffee. This is your time. Why you got to put me on the spot? Uh, I would check so that's what out, we do. Check out Snowdrift Coffee and check out uh, Makina Where's Coffee. That, where's Snowdrift from? Snowdrift, I believe that's Illinois. It's my buddy Ant. Oh, and then Ma- you know? Ma- Makina uh, in outside of Philly is my buddy Gabe. Uh Give me Are you coffee. writing these down, Mick? Yes. Give okay. me coffee in Ithaca. Uh, as far as bands, man, I'm at a. Uh, I'm going to say Wisdom and Chains because at a PA because they're one of those bands that I wanted to get on my coffee roster, but they went with another company. And uh, one of their guitarists, Chris Mavramatis, is uh, 
he's got the COVID, not feeling so good. So I would like to send him some oh, good bummer. wishes. Uh, but they're great hardcore, great hardcore. Uh, and I believe they're all straight edge, but I'm not positive. Really? Everyone from Wisdom and James? I believe so. I didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, oh, well, actually, no. The, the PA members are uh, Luke and uh, what's his name? I don't know why my brain is failing me. The, uh, the New York part of Wisdom and Chains. Probably not so straight edge. No. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't know, man. You put me on the spot. I went blank. It's, no, that's all good, man. No worries. Um, cool. Well, we would, Mick and I would love to talk to you outside of the podcast about seriously doing a coffee and hardcore line. That would be amazing. Yeah. And I anytime. think, well, I'll talk to Mick about this, but off the top of my head, I think we should, we should donate, um, our side of the sales, you know, kind of like we did with, uh, up the pups. Like yeah. I know you got to get your money for making it, of course, but I think we should donate to suicide prevention after talking to Larry. I think, uh, I think that'd be a good thing. Are you guys well, down with that? Yeah. Let's bring Larry into this. Let's do this. Thanks for being on the show. We appreciate it. We're going to yeah, let you go, brother. Thanks for your time. For sure. Nice. Talk to you All later. right. Well, thank you guys. Uh, it's been great. Uh, I can't wait till this comes out and I'm still a little nervous. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we'll, good, man. We'll thank make, you. Hey, we make us sound smart. We can make anyone sound smart. That's right. Nice. Edit. <laughs> Edit is, is my friend. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks. I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. Hasta la vista, baby. What's up? New segment drop. (laughs) This is a coffee and hardcore coffee review. Uh, We're reviewing Oak and Crow coffee. And I got the road crew medium coffee. What did you get, Mick? I got the into the void, dark, smoky soulful coffee whoa (laughs) you said that very smoky and soulful i like so tell us about your coffee oh man so it's definitely smoky which i really liked it 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 was probably the best way to describe it would be deep not that it was thick but just as you drank it it was so dark and smoky, you just felt like it was you're falling into the coffee. Like the smell, the taste, it was not so dark that you felt like you were being overwhelmed by it. Kind of like how I felt with uh, um, just coffee. Like I felt like I needed to add some stuff to it to kind of tone it down because it was a little too dark for me. But this was just oh yeah, the super the super dark is what you got. From yeah, the yeah, yeah. So. Um, and I'm not saying it wasn't good. It was really good. It was just a little, maybe too dark for me. But this, even though it says into the void and I felt like it was going to capture my soul, <laughs> <laughs> it, it tasted so good. And when I, um, I brewed it the first time, I smelled it and I was like, I never want this aroma to leave my house because it smelled so yeah. good. But, uh, yeah, man. It, you said it, your wife really liked it too, Oh, right? yeah. She, she loved it. And then not only did she love the... Uh, coffee but just the the whole packaging and then she immediately went to the website and looked up all the merch and all the stuff and she's like all about it and they sent us stickers too and so they're like we had to fight over the stickers like we're who's going to get the sticker and stuff so honestly the whole experience from the coffee to the packaging and then looking into it more and seeing all the merch was just 
a, it was an awesome experience. So for me, the Oak and Crow was like, when I drank the coffee, it was an experience. Like I could taste the, the smokiness, the soulfulness. Like I said, it was just deep. Like I felt like I was falling into it. So it wasn't like a normal, like I actually kind of saved it for special occasions. Like, you know, when Lindsay and yeah, I were home. I still have some of know, mine. Too. Yeah. It's just, I don't you know. You still have some? No, I drank it all. Oh, you drank it all. <laughs> yeah, I've been saving mine. Yeah, I know. Like, I can order more, I guess. <laughs> That's what I need I'm to like, do. We, good. we ran out not too long ago, so I need to, I need to order some more. Because it is, I, I'm, I, we really dig it. So, yeah. Well, I'm going to throw this out here, out okay. there, out into the universe or to the internet. Oh, I got to get on that internet. I'm late on everything. Whoever's listening. Nothing against any of the coffees we've had on before or any of the coffees in the future. Personally, I think it's going to be hard for any coffee company to beat Oak and Crow for me. Wow. Nice. I really do. And I'm, this is for real. And the reason is because it, it's, you know, I wrote this little thing out and I sent it to you and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> That's in depth. Um, but it just kind of the smell of it and the taste of it. It reminds me of like badass a plus diner coffee. And that's my favorite. Nice. So, you know, I got the, I got the road crew medium coffee and I'm pretty sure the road crew is what they did for the, when we did the up the pups for two minute minor, when we were raising money, they made a coffee. And I'm pretty sure he used road crew coffee for it, but it's rich, smooth, and full body. That's what it says on the package. But I love the way this coffee smells. I also love the aftertaste. And I know that's kind of a weird yeah. thing to say, but it, but you know what I'm saying? No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. And I, it's weird, but it reminds me about, like I said, a high end diner coffee. And that is not a diss at all. To me, that's, that's like a plus a huge plus um it's a huge compliment coming from me because i love that style of coffee and it's a comfort coffee it's rich it is smooth it has that um starting out your morning grit that i love Uh, it's the working man's working class coffee the coffee reminds me of tree sapping or sugaring as they call it in the up in the fall and this is this is like good down-to-earth your grandpa wearing Carhartt overalls work glove wearing coffee. It makes me feel like my day is going to be productive and full of positive energy. And for some reason, when I, that's why I've been saving it because if I feel like it's going to be like, if I wake up and I'm already grumpy, I'm like, okay, I'm doing the open grow coffee today. And it puts me in a better mood. It really does. I I know that sounds crazy, but. I like the term you use, comfort coffee, because I kind of, that's kind of how I thought about it. Like, I felt like I could, like, grab this coffee and then, like, sit down and and read it. I felt like I should read a good book while I drank it. Yeah, like a a 50s mystery novel. Yeah, or. or, uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. No, no, no. Like, the total, like, because I really dig, like, the whole British mystery novels I, like i I'm, i dig uh-huh. agatha christie i like i like reading those but i was thinking more like a, a dostoevsky you know like um the brothers Komarov, that kind of book like a you know this guy i, did, I don't know i and i and i did read i'm trying to think which 
I read a classic book one time when I was reading this coffee and I, or drinking this coffee and I can't remember which one it was, but it, that's what it made me feel like. I felt like I needed to do more than the Hardy just, Boys. No, not the Hardy Boys. <laughs> you can admit it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> the Hardy Boys, <laughs> and then that made me think of wrestling. Like, no, I'm just but no, but no, it was a, just a really good cup of coffee that made me feel like I don't know. It was just special. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Yeah. And all that from a coffee. Yeah. Yeah. For real. And the, the taste and smell brings me back, brings back good old memories of the Upper Peninsula when I lived in Iron Mountain, Michigan, as a kid working in the garden with my grandpa or you know just walking through the woods whatever oak and crow he did a great job on this one and so far no joke my favorite coffee wow see it's a tie for me because i because oak and crow like yes and then i really dug the bridge city that i got sent to so i'm kind of like those two might become something that happens in my house quite a bit because i did like bridge i did like Bridge City. Um, but I've known about Open Crow for a while, and they even sent samples Uh-oh. to me when I was when we were doing up the pup stuff. And I just never like it's weird. Tell me what you think of this. Like there's drinking coffee, and then there's actually taking a minute and yeah. knowing that you have to review something and your brain goes to a different place. Like when you're trying samples and you're like, Oh, this is good. We'll make this into, you know, the up the pups coffee or we'll do this. I feel like that's different than when you, because I, in the morning I was like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to drink this oak and crow coffee. I'm just going to write how it actually makes me feel. And I'm not, I'm not going to BS this. I'm just going to actually put down what I think. And I think when you are feeling something and you write it in the moment, it it just it opens up a whole new perspective of what you're doing. Like, I, if we were reviewing pizza or different foods, I think we'd look at that, those foods differently than we do just eating it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh no, totally. So, you know, reviewing these coffees really makes me think about what I'm what I'm drinking and my palate and like my, the thoughts it gives me and and all these different things. So. I would have never thought about it this hard <laughs> if I didn't have to. Right. Well, and plus, you know, when when you finally, you know, when you finally get some have something show up and you try it and you're like it blows you away, like yeah, that, that makes that's it even cool. It makes it even better cuz I I know we're doing stuff to review and stuff like that, but um I've had a, a good amount of bad coffee in my life and yeah. sometimes the regular stuff that I make is like, man, this is all right. It'll get me through today. But man, when you get something like this that shows up and you're like a little nervous because you're like, you know, we're going to talk about this. And then it actually blows you away. <laughs> it makes it so much better. And so, yeah, it's like you want to actually think about it and, um, you know. Well, I do want listeners to know that if we decided to review a coffee and we got it and it was bad, I would reach out to the person and be like, look, we don't like, we don't think it'd be good for us to review your coffee. I think that would be better than giving it a bad review. Don't you? Yeah. Cause we would, cause I know us well enough to know that it'd be really hard for us to give a bad review. Cause we know that the, the people connected with it. Cause that would be our thing. We're, we're, 
we're, we care so much about people in general. Like, yeah, like we and we want to be honest. Right. And so we wouldn't want to hurt, hurt them. It wouldn't be so much like, dude, your coffee sucks. <laughs> it would be more of like, oh, man. Yeah. Maybe it's good that we don't do this one. <laughs> right. Because it's, it's like we can't give a good review. We can't give it justice. Like, right. it should be left alone. And that doesn't mean it's bad coffee. It just means we, we as people don't like it. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, totally. Totally. So I don't – because I don't want people to think like, Oh, they've only had they've on, they've reviewed coffee and they've only had good things to say about all the coffee they review. But there's a reason for that because we actually do like it and we're not going to review something that we don't like because yeah. why would, same with music, like why would we want to push out bad music? <laughs> if we can't get behind right. a band, we're not going to say good things about them just because you know, we think we should. No, we're not going to review them. We're not going to have them on our show. So, anytime we have a review it's pretty much going to be good unless, unless Mick, like you send me something and you just love it and I don't, I'll just be like, Hey, it's not my thing, you know? Right. But so far it's worked out only good. time. Oh yeah. Well, you and I have very similar tastes in music. Yeah. yeah. So I don't see it working out bad. I don't know. I, I think I found a band that you hate, that you'll hate. So I'm going to send it to you the next time we review it. Yeah, why would you do that? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know he's gonna hate this one. Let's see what he says about this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? What are well, you, no, what are no, you I'm, doing on? I'm thinking because we've also had conversations about the type of coffee because we know that there's like flavored coffee is out for you. So <laughs> out for me. Yeah. Out. Com- it's like, out. You sent you sent me some flavored coffee, and then I had another friend send me flavored coffee, and it's like, if you want to give me diarrhea <laughs> and put me in a pissy mood, send me flavored coffee, <laughs> and, and the, don't tell me it's like nowhere on your on your package does it say it's flavored. <laughs> well, no, and that's the thing is I don't really know that. Uh, when they gave it to me, I don't know if I, I didn't think it was. And then after the fact, like after I shipped it and Lindsay and I kind of talked and I said um, something about flavor coffee and you, and she goes, I think what they gave us was flavored coffee. I went, Oh crap. <laughs> and then it wasn't, it wasn't like a day later. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I can't have that. <laughs> So yeah, Libby, Libby instant, Libby instantly knew that it was flavored coffee by smelling it. Like she knows all that coffee stuff. Hey, by the way, Mick. Yes. You want to say hello to my wife? I can say that now. I know you can. Howdy, Mick. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. If, if, um, (laughs) if you ever wanted permission to punch him, I give permission for you to punch him. (laughs) Because I'm a friend and a pastor, so (laughs) you're free and clear. (laughs) I've been looking for an excuse and a blessing to do that, so. Now have it. Good to have. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, But congratulations, congratulations! That's so awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah, we're we're pretty stoked about it. Uh, I got lucky. Oh, uh, Glenn says no more flavored coffee. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've learned the lesson. <laughs> yeah, you screwed him on that one. <laughs> I did. 
Okay, I'll pass you back. All right. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably like, dang it, you suck. <laughs> cool. Awesome. <laughs> Great podcast. <laughs> Welcome to the Awkward Podcast. All right, everybody. We are now at the time of the show when we review three bands, or at least three bands, here on Coffee and Hardcore. And uh, we got some interesting ones this time. At least they're interesting to me. A little different. Some stuff that maybe I quite wouldn't get into, but I'm glad Wiley brought them to my attention, and we're going to talk about them today. So what we got first? Awesome. We got Strike First with the uh, album Wolves. Ooh, yeah, this is a good one. And that's eight tracks. And that came out August 1st, 2020. So that's, that's a new one. And I would consider this style for listeners, which I know it's coffee and hardcore, but we're going to have bands on here that are more punk rock and are more oi who influence all that. To me, they're all the same in a way, if that makes sense. Cross influences um, and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So this to me, this is like oi rock and roll, I would say. And like oi punk rock and roll. And when Wynn sent me this before it came out to hear the new band, it blew me away. The vocals, the guitars, the guitar harmonies together, everything, the way the songwriting was, it's it's very classic oi songwriting, but it's just it's stepped up a notch. Like it's the musicianship is phenomenal. What are your thoughts on this? Um, I guess I wasn't expecting the sound that I heard when I first started listening to it. Um, and I had to go through what it a couple What do you mean times. by that? Like you thought it was going to be heavier? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was going to be heavier. I wasn't expecting the rock and roll aspects. And so at the first time listening through, I was like, do I dig this or do I not dig this? I had to think for a second. <laughs> and then <laughs> well, I because it caught you off guard a little it, bit? <laughs> totally. Totally. But then I listened like, to... Wait, uh, coffee and rock and roll? Yeah. <laughs> But the two songs that um, kind of stood out to me was Dirty Kids and The Dead End yeah, Boys. We, and it, yeah. and, and it, I don't know. They just kind of, just the energy behind them and the the kind of the, this almost like a sing-along kind of feel. And so I, it grew on me the more I listened to it. So I'm, I was really, I don't know, I was really kind of stoked to continue to listen and hear more of it. And I don't know, it, it bit me good enough to where I was like, dude, this is a good album. Like, I like it all the way through. Eight tracks. It's good. about dirty kids uh later on with in this show yeah with when and why he wrote it and or his friend wrote it right or is there yeah. a player 
Well, I, yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, if you listen, you'll, you'll know. Yeah. You'll know you the story. Towards the end there. You'll know the story. <laughs> yeah. We talk about dead end boys too. Dead end boys and dirty kids and wolves and Unbreak. Actually, I think it opens great. Yeah. I think all these tracks are great, man. And they do an Oasis cover, right? Isn't that? <laughs> yep. Is sure that right? Yeah. Yep. Like, <laughs> I just think this is a great album. I highly recommend it. The drumming on it is phenomenal. The guitar playing is great. Wynn's vocals are great. Wynn's never really sang for a band. Like, he's done backup and he's helped out and done stuff. But this is like his, to my knowledge, this is his first band that he actually does lead in. And it, it couldn't be better as your first record as a as a singer right. i remember my first album or my first band as a singer back when i was 15 was terrible <laughs> so when i give this album a must listen to yeah definitely definitely good work What do we got next? Which one do you want to do next? You want to do Counterpoint next? Yeah, sure. counterpoint it's I, I guess it's their demo because it's four songs it was released in december of 2019 and i'm pretty sure they're working on new stuff yeah um, i think i saw that too yeah good guys great guys love this band um i love like the whole look of it i love that youth crew hardcore um kind of kind of look to it what do you think yeah, that's that's the first thing I thought when I went. Of course, to me, like anytime, it's like, like chain yeah, of strength, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and then when you when your album or your demo starts with intro, and then it goes into a, a song that's also your, your the your name, name of your band, right? I'm like, <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, I guarantee this is a youth crew band. I was like, I knew it has to be. Yeah. And then it, it totally kicked in, and I was like, why can't like? There's no way you can diss it because it totally has that feel. And the you know yeah, the intro great. into that first song, I was like, yes, I want to do like windmills and you know <laughs> yeah. pick up change, all of that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. 
I, I love it. And it's just, it's a typical in a good way, by the right. way, like right. you write a record or an EP and you don't know your band name yet. And you're like, what are our song titles or what do we say in our songs? Oh, counterpoint. That's a badass name. <laughs> you know, like, like, like stuff like that. Right. I, we're going through that right now with this new uh, project that I'm playing drums in. Like we don't have a name. And so I'm just waiting, you know, to read some of the lyrics or, to read some of the song titles and be like, yeah, let's just call it, you know, right. A plus B equals W, you know, like, I don't know, but I thought that was cool. Like we're self has that too. We reviewed them in the first episode. Like yeah. they have a song called we're self and you know, they're probably like, Hey, that's a cool name. That should be our band name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. This is like straight up youth crew hardcore and it is done extremely well. Yes. I really like this band. This band's merch game is on point. They just released these new positive hardcore hoodies. Straight up old school, 80s, 90s looking youth crew hoodies. Love it. Love the look. Love the sound. And I get it. Like, I'm a sucker for this kind of music. And I know it's got its own look. And, like, people follow that pattern. But it's good music. This is this is really well done. Well, I... I dig the guitar tone. I mean, when I kicked the the first song in the intro, I was like, I'm already hooked because the guitar tone to me was just, I mean, just on point. I don't know. It just, that's what grabbed me. I was like, the the first thing that grabbed me on the album was a guitar tone. I'm like, so, in, I don't know. I was like, yes, well, that right there. Let's drop a song. Let's play a song for people right now. All right. The next one we got for you all is the Cruiser Sonata Ooh. from here in Chicago, Illinois. Um, it's tw- it's their 12 song release from June of 2019. And Adam from the Cruiser Sonata actually does guest vocals on the new Two Minute Minor record that will probably already be out by the time this podcast drops, November 2nd. Nice. What are your thoughts on this? Um. This is their second record, by the this way. This is the second record. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, I didn't know what to think. Um, out of the three that we're doing this time, they're not my favorite. Um, uh. what, what does catch me, though, is the bass tone. I love the bass tone on it. Uh, I was extremely intrigued that the name of their band is based off a Tolstoy book and then also um, from... Uh, a symphony from Beethoven. I thought that was crazy interesting. Um, I don't know. It was just different. I, I will say this. It's fast. It's a whole lot of action, like almost like a, a scary action movie. <laughs> like it's like a scary nineties like, action movie. Yeah, pretty much like, you know, like the whole, like if you could take, are we talking like a B action or like, no, 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 no. Like one of those movies that 
it's it's scary it's a thriller there's action and maybe the the uppity critics don't like it but everybody else yeah. and their brother are like dude you got to go watch this movie i'm like well you know the critics the gave it classic. like yeah like a cult classic that's what i was trying so that's kind of how yeah, i felt the, like the critics gave it like four upside down spilled popcorn bags right but you gotta go see it <laughs> Out of all of them, it wasn't my, you know, it wasn't the one that stood out the most, but there was enough. I don't know how to explain but it. don't you think it was the most, okay, wasn't it the most different though? Yes. The most unique. Yes, the most unique. And I'm not dissing it, like I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying out of, out of the three, it was different. I w- uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I played a few shows with these guys. And Adam, the singer, nicest dude ever in the whole world. Seriously, he if you were like, dude, I'm cold, he'd be like, oh, here's my shirt. You can have it. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. Dude is the nicest guy ever. He also works at Liars Club, which is my favorite club in Chicago. Um, dude lives and breathes local music and to help people. Just a nice guy. And I'm going to be honest with you. I agree with what you're saying a little bit. Okay. When I first heard them, I was like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. I'm not sure if this is. I went and saw them at a show, and I was like, I don't know. I get it. It's cool. It's entertaining. They're fast. And then I bought the record, the first record, and I started listening to it. I was like, this is really, really good. And then we played with them at a show in this like abandoned like tool shop or whatever it was where they had like cars in the back. And I, I was going to say videotaped, but I was dating myself. I recorded on my phone, not videotaped, um, a few of their songs. And I was like, I, I got it in that moment as I was recording. I'm like, I get this from seeing them, not knowing what I thought of it. Wasn't my favorite to listening to the record, kind of falling in love with it. And then videotape, damn it. Uh, recording it and finally getting it. I'm like, I get this. I found myself leaving in the middle of 
And those are some of my favorite bands. It happens with my favorite bands. I don't get them at first because it's so different or they're, the vocals are weird uh, because they're too unique and not a lot of people are doing it. So I'm like, eh, I don't know. Your brain doesn't, there's no familiarity with it. So your brain doesn't really connect. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I dig but that. But then when yeah. it becomes familiar and you listen to it for enough, you finally hear how good everything really is, even though it might be a wall of sound. Right. And that's how I feel like the Cruiser Sonata is. I think this is a phenomenal um, second record, a follow-up to their first record. I know they're working on new stuff, and I'm excited for it. I love the gritty, raspy vocals. Like, he sounds like, if he was a cartoon, I feel like he would be like this, this rat that came out of a gutter. You know what I mean? Like, this dirty old punk rock rat just, like, screaming at you. Like, his ear is like missing a part of his ear. He's got punk rock jacket on. He's like, you know, and it's like, I love it. I love everything about it. So dirty, but it's so well put together musically. Well, so let me ask you this because I I haven't seen them live and I I was looking for some live footage of them online and I hadn't found anything yet. Are they, I mean, is the singer like crazy? Um, Well, what do you mean? He's not like jumping up and hanging off the rafters and stuff, but he gets into it and he gets the crowd involved into it and he he puts on a really good show. Yeah, he does. He gets into it. Yeah. So I recommend the Cruiser Sonata. Mick, wah, wah, wah. No, I see now. <laughs> I don't say that. I'm just I'm just I'm just saying out of the three, it wasn't my favorite, but I would recommend him. I tell people to listen to because it's an because here's what I like about any band i'm gonna recommend them if they're if they're an experience which i feel like they are then that's mm-hmm. then i'm gonna recommend them because you know um that's why i asked about their stage presence because i was like the music sounds insane like so is that what they are on stage and so you're kind of like he, you know he works the crowd so i'm like okay so it is it's an experience to listen to it so yeah i'd recommend it i'm not dissing it <laughs> at all so Good. It's good. I'm excited yeah. for their for their third record coming out. Awesome. Um, but I mean, hey man, it's great to be honest. Uh, that's that's why I picked you as a co-host, and that's why I'm sure you wanted to be on the show because we try to keep it real. Right. And so out of out of three things, you got to like one the least. So right. I get it. Um, but I, I I love the crew Sonata and Adam. You're a great guy. Love you, brother. Awesome. Stick around. Listen to. Uh, Listen to the chat with with Win from Strike totally. First. Yep. We are with Win of Strike First, Fatskins, Antagonizer, ATL, and uh, formerly of DDC, which is the uh, Drink and Destroy crew. Welcome to Coffee and Hardcore. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. It's great that you're on the show. So Mick and I review the Strike First album but i own it on vinyl i listened to it a bunch you sent us digital files and then a few days later it came out on spotify so that was awesome because i could just listen to it while i was working and i've probably listened to what is it eight songs yeah i listened to that record i don't know probably like 15 20 times already oh good um it's i think it's a great record you guys do a cover on it too right yeah what oasis oasis I'm a, I'm a I'm a huge Oasis like huge Oasis fan. So um just I wanted to do it. I I've wanted to do one since um 
since DDC for years, and it just never kind of fit. We're what like, do you think the reason for not fitting was? I, I don't know if it was just because um, we had this in DDC, we had this backlog of cover ideas that was as long as your arm. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so I, I don't know. We just, and DDC didn't operate like Strike First. DDC, it was almost, it was like a big, clunky, bureaucratic mess to get anything yeah. done. And um, so, like, Strike First, the process is super streamlined and it feels like if we want to do something, we just do it and it works great. And um, isn't that a great feeling? It is. It is. And uh, <laughs> it, it, Cause it I was, was in a like, band like that too, where everything was super extremely hard to do. And then I was in another band where everything came easy and it's just a breath of fresh air. Uh, it, yeah, it was wild. This strike first is the easiest band I've ever been in. And um, so <laughs> I, I don't want to jump too far ahead uh, if you've got things to ask me. So um, yeah, I've got I've got some things to ask you, but if it's fine if you want to talk about it, like your your writing process and everything, because I know I listened to another podcast that you were on and you talked about it a little bit, but you could share with people your your writing process. Um, yeah, so I like with DDC and Faskins, I write everything. Um, Short, short of the lyrics. Oxley in Fatskin really wrote the lyrics and DDC, the lyric writing was kind of split between me and Shane, but all of the music was written by me. And um, Strike First is, it's kind of no different than that, except uh, Dirty Kids was written by our rhythm guitar player. Um, but I write everything at home. I work from home. So I have like my kind of little home studio here set up and it, n- nothing that I would ever like put out that I record here, but I record everything here. And then I, I put it up on like Google drive or whatever. And the guys listen to it. And then, so they kind of have an idea of where I'm going with, with the songs. And then, so I can upload something on Monday. We practice on Sunday, so I can upload something during the week and those guys just go after it and they'll learn it during the week. And then when we get together at practice, we try it out and see how it fits. And that's when we kind of finalize the arrangement. And, you know, sometimes the way I have it written, they're like, Oh, nope, that's it. It's perfect the way it is. And then other times it's like, Oh, that part drags a little, or it's too short or whatever. So we modify it. And then I'll even, I'll even uh, rearrange it, the file on my computer and then re-upload it. So everybody can kind of lock into that. And it, it seems to work really well. And, with the Faskins, that's the only way I could do it because the rest of the band is in Phoenix and I'm in Atlanta. So I would write everything and send it to Oxley and he would listen to it. And he, he's not a musician, but he has a great ear for arrangement. And he would say, Oh, the part at a minute, 52 seconds, it goes too, too long. So you need to shorten that. And then that outro part that starts at three or four, that needs to be twice as long or whatever. And he had a great ear for that kind of stuff. So that's how the songwriting for that happened. And then it just seemed kind of natural to kind of carry it over into my other projects, DDC and Strike First. So, and now that I'm in Antagonizers, I, I've kind of started doing the same thing, writing stuff here. And do you play bass in that band or do you play guitar? I play bass in Antagonizers. And that, is that kind of more like a, a, like you take kind of like more of a backseat in that band? 
No, no, I've actually, no? um, I'm actually kind of one of the main people and antagonizers now because I, I, I jumped right in. Well, okay. So the whole reason I started, well, you're fairly new to that band, right? Like a year. Yeah. Yeah. Just about a year now, which seems kind of crazy that it's been that long. It doesn't seem that long, but I, uh, yeah. so their bass player, Billy, um, who plays keyboards, uh, you know, he's not, he's kind of not full time, but he just jumps in and we're like, Hey, we're going to play this show. We're going to do this. Come play keys with us. Mm-hmm. And, but Billy was the bass player and he has a lot of, uh, he has a lot of irons in the fire as far as music is concerned. So he, him, you know, his time was kind of torn and he didn't, he's not a, he's not a bass player. He's, he plays keys. That's his thing. But he, he learned to play bass sure. just for antagonizers, but he didn't really write. He doesn't really write that style. So mm-hmm. it was it was really Richard doing all the music writing and Bo doing all the lyric writing, or most of the lyric writing. I know Richard writes some of the lyrics and stuff too. And um, so um, I said, I'll come in part-time and I'll help you guys finish this album. And um, Oh, but- we all know what we all know what happens then. <laughs> Full-time <laughs> member. <laughs> and uh yeah that's right and then you know and bo's a car salesman on top of that so he car salesman me into being yep. <laughs> i know so, all about that yeah hey mick so, do you want to do this with me hey mick do this with me right <laughs> <laughs> but you know it, it, it's fun to do and i haven't played bass in a band for 20 something years so but mm-hmm. i mean i wrote all the i wrote all the fat skins bass lines and i wrote all the ddc bass lines so all that i mean that was all yeah, you know, I was already writing bass lines anyway. So. so so real quick, people are listening to this. Tell because you're like the first kind of non, I guess, traditional hardcore music guest that we've that we've had on the show, even though there's you know elements of that stuff. But so people who don't know Fat Skins, explain to them kind of the, the style of that band. Um Fat Skins is just well, we so we started in nineties late 96 early 97 so are you are you original member of that band yes and in fact the lineup today with the exception of our other guitar player is the same lineup that we recorded most of that stuff in the 90s with. oh wow so that's impressive. the only difference uh so our first our first album was thinking like a fat skin that was the first thing we ever released and we had a different drummer on that but everything every release after that was uh wang that plays drums and he still is in the band playing drums. So it's wow. me on guitar, Mike on vocals, Tom on bass and Wayne on drums. And then we, we wanted that fuller sound and I like having two guitars. And so we added our mm-hmm. buddy Chris uh, and like I said, they all live in Phoenix. So, um, but yeah, so that, and that, I, I guess we're very, if you're if you're at all familiar with '90s American Oi, we are '90s American Oi, and uh, oh yeah.
like especially Richard and Bodon have great ideas that they like to bring to the table. They just butt heads because they're like, this is my idea. And they're, no, this is my idea. And the two ideas clash and then eventually there's some fallout and they hug and make out. Oh. And, and yeah, that doesn't matter. It's all it's all how the song turns out. It doesn't matter whose idea it is. Push a pedal time. Holy shit, I'm blown away. Go back in my seat to live another day. Memories race by. Can't see what lies ahead. After tears of cries, I'm going down the dead. But no, I, I like I like playing with uh, you know, Fatskins. We don't do a whole lot. We played shows here and there, and we, which band are you talking about? Antagonizers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Antagonizers and Strike First. That's that's like my two active bands, and then. Fatskins is more just fun. We play some fests here and there, and we record. But you do got some new music coming up, don't you? Or is that on yeah. the hush hush? No, 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 no. That's that's like I said. I'm an open book, man. Um, no, I, I just got to go in and record my parts, and um, and it's like 16 songs. So, oh wow, yeah. It's, well, it, I mean, I guess it's due because you guys don't. You guys come out with stuff like every five years or six years, right? uh let's see when's when was the last record the last record was 2016 so yeah it's been like four oh years. okay but you, okay. you know cool. life life happens and uh um, oh, of course so and then you know oxley he has oxley's midnight runners and stuff too so yeah which we played play? yeah we all played yeah i was gonna say i had that in my notes um I said, Drink and Destroy crew, a two-minute minor, we played together at Cobra Lounge for that festival, and all those bands that we're talking about were there, and that was a great yeah. time. And then the DDC and two-minute minor, we played that festival in Connecticut with uh, uh, Stars and Stripes, Man, that uh, Jack was Kelly of Slapshots, other band. Yeah, that was so much fun. Um, um, that was only like, and a, I wanted, that was oh, only like a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was April of last year. 2019. Yeah. You remember when is it now, October? <laughs> shows were fun. Yeah, back when you could play, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you also did guest vocals on the newest Two Minute Minor album coming up um, that we actually just got the album for today in the mail. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was awesome having you on it. So that releases November 2nd. Yeah! All I got to say is I, I love all the bands that you've done for real. Um, but Strike First is just, it's my favorite. It's so good. That's, it's like uh, that, cool that that oi rock and roll sound, and it's just all the songs, I don't know, they just they catch me. I want to listen to this record more and more when I listen to it. Like, I love DDC, and I listen to DDC records often, but yeah. this stuff, especially when you sent it to me before it was out, I was like, yeah, I get to listen to new stuff, and I was bl- floored. I was blown away by it. Yeah, uh, like, that's good to be hear, big. man. Because you know, I was a little, I was a little sketchy because, you, you know, it, it's my first real project as a frontman, and um, sure. 
So I thought, but man, you've I, done backup vocals and stuff like that. Yeah, and I did do. Shane was out of the band. He was out of DDC for a little over a year um, for medical stuff. And um, oh, that's right, you sang some shows. Well, I, I I sang on a recording also that split with Assault and Battery. Oh yeah. Um, with uh, bitter end and Nina Dennis and all that. that. That's all me on vocals. Yeah, I remember we we did we talked about that. Yeah, and yeah. I have heard that. Yeah, which is funny because if you listen to like Bitter End and and some of the songs on that, it has more of a strike first feel to it, which is kind of weird to me because that was six years yeah, ago. Yeah, I'm gonna go back and li- I'm gonna go back and listen to that. You should because I really love it, and we still play Bitter End because it's that song. Still, I still listen to it, and I go sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> I hate to sound like it like I'm being egotistical or anything, but sometimes I go back and listen to some of the songs I've written and I'm kind of shocked that it was me that wrote that song. Cause I go, man, this is such a good song that I can't believe yeah. that I wrote this song. You know, I've had those moments. I've also had the opposite. Oh, yeah, I've had those too. <laughs> I can't believe I put this shit out. <laughs> I know dude. Uh, there's some of the, there's some of the DDC stuff where I was like, can we please stop playing this song? I hate this song. Like, I'm like, it's, I, I'm embarrassed by this song. Let's not play this song. And, uh, uh yeah, <laughs> I know the, I have, yeah, I know. All yeah, so there's some of that stuff that went on, but with strike first, I don't have any of that. I'm like, this is good. I like this stuff. I wasn't sure how people would take it, but there, there was also this point where I was like, man, I don't care if people like it. Cause I like it. And I feel good about this album. And I think it's the first it's time. It's really good. I think it was the first time where I was like, I wonder if people are going to like it. And, and of course I thought, I thought about that. Are people going to like this? But it's the first time that I, that me and the guys in the band went, man, this is good. We got something here. The songs are kind of a mishmash of, because like fight like hell that's an old DDC song. That's one of those songs that fight I like hell tonight. You got to fight. That's a good yeah, song. So I, that's the song from, that's one of the songs from the assault and battery split that I sang that I wrote. Yeah. Dead end boys was supposed to be a DDC song. Um, for the new album. It, uh, yeah. Is that the one? Can you, what are, can you speak? Can you talk the chorus lyrics? That song? Um, Oh, we are the dead and boys, dead, 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 yeah. dead and boys. Yeah. So what is that song? I, I think I know, but what is that song about? Oh, it's just about, uh, well, skinheads, punks, and dirty kids. It's about, just, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just, but I mean, is there, is there a deeper message to it than just that though? No, I, no, I just think it's, it's about all the, all the guys in my band who grew up poor that ended up in the subculture that um, we just, you know, you got called names cause you were poor. You got treated like crap because you were in the subculture. And um, so it's, you know, crucified, but still alive, dead and boy till the day I die. It's not, it's a, it's, it's basically about your roots growing up in a subculture. And even now at this age, I still kind of feel like I'm that dead end boy, 
And, and, and that's, sure. that, and that's, it's not a negative thing. Dead end boy is what people think of us. And, gotcha. Yeah. And, that's what I was, I didn't know if the message. W- yeah. Okay. I'm glad you clarified yeah. so, that. So I didn't know where it, the it, message it was, was going with it. Yeah. It was kind of like society viewed us as dead end boys. And we we're like, gotcha. yeah, we're dead end boys, but that's not going to stop us. It's, it's kind of that, you know, Sure. And um, yeah, I think I think everybody kind of relates to it. And um, uh, Robbie, our rhythm guitar player, he helped me write a little bit. I had that first verse. I had that first verse written, and then he came in and he helped me with the second verse. So he had that he had that song "Dirty Kids," which was a song from his acoustic set. And I thought, and I said, "Man, let's play that as a band. Let's do that." And he he sings on that. That's him. That's the only song on the album I don't sing. That's Robbie singing that song. And um, so his song, Dirty Kids, is kind of like Dead End Boys, that they were just dirty kids. They would ride around on their bikes and they had food stamps and their, you know, the, the cupboards were empty and they had lice and, you know, just, you say just that kind of, but, but, but they, but, but they look back on that time so fondly because they felt so free that they were just riding around on their skateboards and hanging out and having fun and they didn't have any rules. And so when, um, so when we were working on the second verse of Dead End Boys, that's why it's uh, skinheads, punks, and dirty kids. So we we kind of incorporated Robbie's idea of a dead end boy as a dirty kid into that song. So do you feel like uh, where you grew up, like, you know, because some of the stories that you're telling sounds a lot like how I grew up in West Virginia, like dirt poor. I grew up in a lot of coal mining towns. And, you know, in West Virginia, there's not a whole lot of, Oi punk rock or really there wasn't really any hardcore stuff until like later on in the 90s when I was in high school and everything but a lot of us you know around this area kind of took from some of that and some of the the 90s hardcore angst that was kind of coming out of West Virginia was kind of from that dent I guess so is that kind of how you guys write from like from your childhood like that kind of stuff going on oh yeah absolutely Absolutely. And which is, it's funny that I grew up exactly the opposite of the way you did. I I mean, other than the poor part, I grew up in the eighties in California. Wow. So I had all of these, uh, I have an older brother and he was, he, he was like friends with all the different like subcultures and stuff, Uh, skaters and punks and cholos. And I mean, you name it, he, kind of made his way through all those circles and was friends with all those guys. But we had punks that lived on my block and skinheads that lived two blocks away. And there were mods and rude boys. And I mean, you name it. I just thought that was normal. I thought everybody just had that everywhere. I just thought it was so common because, you know, again, it's California in the eighties when it was free. Right. And so I just thought that I thought, thought everybody was, I thought everybody was a metalhead or into hip hop or a skinhead or a punk. Like I, I just thought yeah, everybody like they all had a subculture they belonged to. Yeah, they all had a subculture and it was very it was very cliquish. And um so but it wasn't so cliquish that they didn't get along with you know, I grew up with guys that were in like 4H and and um and gang 4H gang. like the horse like the horse club? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. No, seriously. Like all the shit kickers. Like I knew everybody like the, and I still talk to some of those people, you know, the, the preppies and, 
um, all that stuff, the metal heads. Like I grew up with all those people and I still have, you know, if they're good people, I, I still talk to them regardless of what their background is. And um, regardless if they were in 4-H. Regardless if they were in 4-H. I, I, I can <laughs> tell you right now, I don't really talk to many of the 4-H people, but they were. <laughs> it's so funny because I can relate to the 4-H comments because the high school that I went to, like we had 4-H and then we had the Future Farmers of America. Yeah, yeah, and, FFA with their purple jackets or whatever it is. Yep. Yep. And we had some, we had something called tractor day and people would drive their tractors to the school. (laughs) Do you hear yourself? Are you serious? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. That is amazing. I'm glad I learned that today. Yep. Yep. They would drive their tractors. It was, they had their own spirit week and they would, and one day was tractor day and they would drive their tractors (laughs) to the school and park it in the parking, in the parking lot. Yeah. Well, see that that's more Ronnie's speed because he lives on a chicken farm. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome nice yeah. that is awesome yeah but um yeah so I, I i draw on that stuff a lot growing up being poor and like i'm not poor now i'm not rich by any means but like i have a good job and a nice house and like so like the story of of dead end boys like i just i was poor and i refused to let that stop me it said never say die attitude. And, um, I, I'm sure you, you can hear it a lot in, in my songwriting, that kind of stuff, bitter end and carry yep. on and dead end boys, unbreakable, like all that, all those songs are about that. Just that, like the human spirit, the, the, just the inability to, you know, ever accept defeat, you know? Yeah. It made for some good tunes too. Yeah, man. And I'm, I'm like, uh, the, the optimist, like, I'm just like, there's, there's gotta be a solution. There's gotta be a way. And <laughs> good. So I, I'm that guy. I like that, that, that real never say die attitude. It's probably cause I grew up watching the Goonies or something. huh? <laughs> <laughs> so what, uh, what future plans does strike first have? With, with DDC, I just felt like I was begging people to please do your part in this band, please, please. Like, and, and I just reached this point and I'm like, why am I begging people to be part of a badass band? Either you want to be in this band or I don't want to mess with you. With DDC, because of that, it was very, very hard to get new songs written because it just felt like just getting people to, like I said, I upload all these songs. They're basically complete songs, bass lines, everything. And I, it was just almost impossible to get anybody to do their part. So it took forever for us to write. As soon as we got done recording, we started writing new songs. And I think we already have strike first. Yeah. So I think we already have like 12 songs written musically. Oh, for new stuff. Yeah. And and we don't have them locked down, like completely locked down musically. We're still kind of working through them, but I'm in that part where I'm starting to put like choruses together and, kind of feeling what works vocally and stuff like that. So, man, we are not resting. This band is just going, 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 going. And um, because I, I just didn't want to do that DDC thing. Yeah, the where same thing. It just took us forever, man. And Yeah, you feel like, like you're dragging your feet. Yeah, and like we, we haven't played the set in probably two months. But with these guys, we could just, if you were like, you have a show tomorrow everybody would be like, all right, I'll be ready. And we would just bang the set out and, and have a killer yeah. show. 
so what's your guilt? <laughs> this is like a weird segment segue. What's your guilty pleasure TV show? Cause I know you and I both talked about, we both like friends. Oh my god! Oh god, I love friends, and I don't feel a tiny bit guilty about that. I know I did, and you were like, "Dude, own it." Yeah, (laughs) remember that? Guilty pleasure. Okay, if I had to call anything guilty pleasure, I would have to say it's my absolute love of Ghost Adventures. Oh yeah, Uh, I haven't seen. Yeah, and there's another one that I I just yell at him. I'm like, "That's not a ghost, you idiot." Why is that guilty for you? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you said guilty pleasures. I don't ever feel guilty about TV shows, but that's as close as I would get to it, I guess. What about you, Mick? TV show? Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's going to, listen, it's going to have to be the, the because I actually do like it, and my wife got me addicted to it, it's going to have to be that stupid British baking show. Oh, that, uh, that's a good yeah. show, man. It's going to have to be. My wife like, likes it too. It's so weird saying that, by the way. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> um, it's just so new. Last question I got yeah. is any bands that you can plug that people should listen to? Um, well, Antagonizers. Well, that you're not in. That I'm not in. Uh, Hanging Judge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hanging Judge is great. And They're, uh, still, they're still kicking it, eh? Yeah, and you know uh, Richard, the lead guitar player from Antagonizers, that's his band that he does vocals in. And the bass players in the Queers, right? Yeah, Chris. He he used to be in DDC also. I did I did know that. Yeah, because he yeah. was printing stuff, and I know we were talking back and forth. He's asking me some questions about printing. Yeah, he's right. a he's a great dude. Um, and the guy he does printing with, Jeremy Paul, uh, he's in. He's in Patriot also, but he's in Hanging Judge as well. So did he, pull, he – yes, he was there at the fest because you introduced me to him. That's right. Yeah. And uh, our bass player, Jordan, plays guitar in a band called The Rotten Stitches. Oh, I don't know them. The Rotten uh, Stitches. Really, like, fast street punk stuff. Yeah, Rotten Stitches. And um, and, uh, cool. and Ronnie's band, Ronnie's band, Dine 985. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show, brother. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Anytime you want me to do leads or do podcasts or do backup vocals or whatever you want, man, let me know. We appreciate you. We appreciate you taking the time and we appreciate your talent. So we get to listen to a great record. Well, I appreciate you guys and thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks for tuning in to episode four of the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. I have a cabin in the Finger Lakes. Next month, we have a very special episode, our Christmas episode. We interview Rich from Everybody's Coffee. We also talk to Steven from the Frisky Morris podcast. Lots of great stuff, some giveaways too, so you're going to want to tune in. It's going to be awesome. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Hi, this is HR Human Rights from Bad Brains, and you're listening to Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. Much love and positivity. Coffee and hard-